When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. All right, welcome everybody to Crypto Real Vision. I'm your host today, Jeff Kaufman. Uh, We're talking Web3, we're talking marketing, we're talking brand building. Uh, That is the background of myself and, and Matthew here today. I'm the founder of Parachute and Jump. Uh, Jump, which is a community for marketing and advertising professionals um, that care about Web3. And uh, Matthew has a deep background in the world of tech and building brands. Um, and today, uh, since you know it's, it's good timing because the market has uh, taken a spiral, if you will, um, but we have a, a moment in time to pause and look a little bit deeper uh, at, at our strategies and our long-term thinking. And that's what Matthew's known for. So Matthew, why don't you give us a quick uh, introduction on yourself and what you were up to before Web3, and then we'll, we'll talk about some big brain stuff. Cool. Nice to meet everyone. My name is Matt Sweezy. Uh, you can just call me Sweezy. Uh, on Twitter, it's M Sweezy. And fun fact is I thought like, hey, I'll just get the same uh, Twitter handle as my email address, right? M Sweezy. And that was great until a friend of mine was like, hey, man, who's this Miss Wheezy that keeps tweeting at me? So if you need to find me, I am Miss Wheezy on Twitter. Uh, currently, I co-founded the uh, Web3 Studio at Salesforce, where we look at strategy, both internal as well as our customers. Before that, I ran the Futures Lab uh, with a partner. And then been on the evangelist side, really kind of focusing on the future of marketing, owned that POV for the organization for a long time. Uh, notably wrote a book for Harvard Business about the future of marketing and media, kind of like really looking at a lot of the stuff before we really had the terms for it. Um, so yeah, just really excited to be here and yeah, love this topic. Amazing. So I, I would love to sort of go back to some of those early sort of ideas and frameworks that you were thinking about 10 years ago that quite frankly, weren't even possible because Web3 tech didn't exist. And you know, for for a lot of us that have been in in the marketing and brand building space for a long time, uh, Web two took this turn that we weren't quite expecting, um, but we thought different stuff was possible, and it never came to fruition. And then once we saw Web three tech and everything that enabled, all these crazy light bulbs started to go on, going off. So I'd love to start at a high level, take the tech aside. Uh, what are some of these bigger high level strategies that you've been thinking about for uh, the last 10 years? Um, and then we'll move into sort of how Web3 sort of brings that to life. And then from there, we'll really dig into, hey, the game is changing for building brands, um, both on the strategy side, but also the financial equation is just going to look totally different. So Let's talk about those uh, higher level strategies that you've been working on for a long time. 
Yeah, to me, the two biggest high-level strategies are really number one is this notion of individual ownership of data. Um, we've been talking about this under the guise of what we would call VRM. So a buddy of mine named Doc Searles runs the VRM Center over at Harvard, and he's the one who really kind of turned me on to this notion. And VRM stands for Vendor Relationship Management. So the original idea, and Doc wrote a book about this, and I, you know, continued on with this in my book, was this notion of what happens when the individual can actually own the data and the, the company doesn't own the data. And the individual can put out into the world, hey, world, I want X, I'm looking at X. Uh, and then brands can pick up those signals and then work with those individuals. So really like the central control of data. Now, this idea has been worked on for more than a decade. Uh, the center at Harvard has been around for at least a decade. But the big problem was, you know, what happens if a company collects all this all this data from individuals uh, and then is the intermediary between that and the brands? Well, then what you end up with is a giant honeypot and you just can't have that. Right. So we end up with this massive data privacy issue. So it's, it was tried for many years. Right. The idea that, you know, individuals should be paid for their data is not new. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's actually what's going to happen. Um, we'll talk about that in terms of value exchange. But that was one big idea. Like what happens in individuals can own their own their data. The second is co-creation. Now, I've talked about co-creation for a long time. And you talked about Web2 took a really radical turn for us. And really, that was kind of social, right? This notion of we no longer really control these things. We have to be a part of conversations, can't control the conversations like we used to, because media is now infinite, right? Anyone can control media. And like, this is one of my favorite things. I wrote a book about it. So I, one of my favorite things, spent four years on this. But it's this notion of like we have to realize like media is so important and web three is a new frontier of media. Like, let's just start with this really quickly. Let me like explain what I'm talking about here. So if you're a super media nerd like me, you're, you're really down with this guy named Marshall McLuhan. And like, you really understand this notion of media theory where media really dictates how humans behave and like how humans interact and what they think of themselves. Really good example. The notion that we have of romantic love does not come to you natively when you're born, right? That is a thing that is imprinted into you based on the media that you interact with, right? Like that's just the thing. Like that's how we know romantic love based on the media we, we see and interact with. And so we start to like take this forward and we start to realize that we are now living in a world that is radically different than anything before. And so before we start talking about brand building and marketing, we have to realize that the media environments dictate the rules for those games to be played. And we had a lot of beliefs that we thought were like marketing truisms, right? Like sex sells. There's no such thing as bad press, like all these ideas. Well, those were ideas that were set in a very specific point in time and that were games only meant to be played in that specific point in time. We unknowingly called them truisms and believed them things to be like universally true. And the reality is, is they're not universally true. They're not true at all, actually. They're just like ideas that we had. They were hypotheses that really couldn't be tested um, because the data wasn't there to actually prove them right or wrong. We've now figured out that those are all wrong. I went around about to really get to this one point. This point is, this is the first time in the history of the world that an individual has had the ability to create, distribute, and consume media, right? Like that is just a foundational, fundamental, radical shift in, in the foundation of humanity, right? And so once we opened that door, and that door is really mobile, social, um, last that's 10 kind of, years. Yeah, last 10 years, kind of opened up that door. We had no clue what that future frontier was going to be like, but we knew it was going to be radically different and the rules would be reset. And so, you know, I'm super excited about VRM, super excited about individual ownership of data, super excited about co-creation. And then this Web3 thing comes out and it's like, 
all of those dreams that we had that we couldn't figure out ways to do in Web 2 now have ways to do them in Web 3. So when we talk about co-creation, right, we know about user-generated content. And every time I talk about co-creation, people are like, yeah, we use our customers' images. I was like, no, like that's like the babiest of baby steps. I'm talking like co-create your product, like have your community do your marketing, have your community run your support, like a whole nother level. And that, that's what DAOs are. Right. And so like mm -hmm. we now have a structure and a format and a process and, and validating points of like how these things can make billion dollar business units and lines upon themselves. We talk about like individual ownership of data and now we have the blockchain and now we have the ability for personal wallets and we have a mechanism in people's hands that allow these things to actually happen. So like I'm just going to stop there, but I'm super excited. But to me, those are the two big ideas that I was so excited about that Web3 makes real. Yeah, totally. And, you know, when we talk about how that applies to some of the fundamentals of marketing, brand building, and when we think of like the largest brands in the world, and will they be around in 10 years? Because one of the things that happened in the between 1990 and 2020 is that half the Fortune 1000 just turned over. And now we're coming up on another 20 to 30 years where half the Fortune 1000 is going to turn over. But you mentioned something called a DAO, uh, which I almost consider this whole new category of like enterprising biz businesses and brands, if you will. Mm -hmm. So we've got a whole new category of brands that are native to Web3 and native to this economy who are, do who are executing this idea of co-creation. And so you've got the legacy brands that have to now evolve, adapt, and change, and then compete against all of these upstarts that are going to be complete, that are completely sort of native to this culture and this uh, philosophy. And one of the areas that you've spent a lot of time working on is sort of the, the metaverse and the meta-native, right? The meta-native individual. And so these, the, the, the next generation of consumers, right? Millennials are sort of in their prime. We're at peak spending. Brands want to talk to millennials. And then right on the heels, we've got Gen Z, the meta-native consumer. And if we're thinking about, again, put the craziness of the market aside, if we're truly thinking about our 10-year strategy, we've got to really think about this entirely new consumer. So mm -hmm. I'd love to sort of dig into, you know, that area who who is this new consumer who is the meta native consumer and and what does that mean for startups and 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 brands yeah so the first thing i want to do is too often we forget the term marketing and what it actually means and too often we put it into a, a tactical representation it really just means relationship to a market like how do we relate to a market like we have to start with that and when we start with that then the next step is to say well the market is radically different like what how the market fundamentally acts is very different, right? In the old market, it was a command and control. We brand, dictate what market is, we control communication, we control what happens. Social and the web for the last 10 years really started to, to morph that into something very different where there was participation in the market from social. And now we're in a whole new world, to your point, like DAOs, there's a whole new world. So just like, I always want us to keep that in mind. But then when we think about that, relationship to the market is how do individuals behave and what do they want to behave and how do they want to participate in the market? And then that is radically shifting. And, and the biggest things to me about the radical shift, when we talk about the meta-native, first off, I'll just define meta-native. So 
you know, if I'm talking to a CMO right now and trying to be like, hey, you need to really understand Web3 and why it's important. It's, there's one really simple line and I say it every time. And like when I do, if a light bulb hasn't gone off, it fucking blows up and here's it is. It says, what did you do to reach millennials? That's it. I ask a question. What did you do to reach millennials? And the answer is we went social, right? We have direct-to-consumer commerce, right? DTC. We have social media marketing. We invested in influencer marketing. Um, I mean, like, just go down the list of what you do to reach millennials. It was also because they were a socially native generation. We had to become socially native businesses to meet them where they were. But then if we look at, and I love this question, right? If you have kids, just ask the question, what did your kids ask for for Christmas? To me, this is one of the biggest telling behaviors of future demographic change. What do kids ask for for Christmas? Well, what did they ask for for this Christmas? Robux, Robux dollars, right? We have to realize there's an entire generation that has digital currency already in their wallet. They exchange digital currency on a daily basis. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.